Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas Podcast! <laughs> it's August 25th, 2015, which means it's exactly four months till Christmas. I'm Tim Babb, and I'm back with another package of merriment to stuff in your ear stockings. Today we're going to learn a lot about the song Jingle Bells. I'll share my five favorite non-traditional Christmas movies, and we'll find out who won last episode's Who Sang It Best. All that and more is coming up on today's Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. holidays, friends. I'm Tim Babb, and I can't wait for Christmas. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you to everyone who listened to the first episode and came back. For those of you who are maybe just joining us for the first time, welcome. This is the show where a super obscure stand-up comedian, that's me, does his best to keep the spirit of Christmas alive all year round. And that brings us to our first segment, We Need a Little Christmas, now. Need a little I was just enjoying this roaring fire that I somehow lit and got lost in in the five seconds while that jingle played. So, this is the segment where I share a tip for adding a little Christmas cheer to your everyday life. And apologies in advance if you don't have Netflix streaming, because that's the way to experience this week's tip. Netflix has a lot of holiday movies that are available on streaming uh, all year round, and maybe we'll get to some of those in a future episode. But right now, we're going to focus on a unique offering of Netflix. It's called Fireplace for Your Home, and it's a video of a fire blazing away in a fireplace, which sounds super obvious now that I've explained it. That's actually the fire you're hearing uh, in the background of this audio right now. Now, you have the option of watching it with Christmas music, without Christmas music, or with just some random music. But why would anyone want that? If you have a mobile device with the Netflix app, you can uh, get a little Christmas fire in any room of the house. I like to prop my iPad up behind the sink while I'm doing dishes. That way, I can distract myself from the fact that I hate washing dishes. Again, apologies if you don't have Netflix, but it might be worth getting. Uh, Not that this is an advertisement for Netflix or anything, but it might be a nice early Christmas present to yourself. Just a suggestion. Now, if you have any tips or tricks for keeping the holiday magic going... Could be a recipe, a decorating tip, a song, whatever it is, shoot it down my email chimney at tim at tancast.com. It's T-A-N like the color, cast like you broke your arm. Uh, I'll be sure to feature that tip on a future episode. Well, now that we got the fire going, let's put on a movie, which leads us to our next segment, Five Golden Things. Five Golden Things. This time we'll be counting down non-traditional Christmas movies. Now, these are movies that take place at Christmas or around Christmas time, but they aren't about Christmas. I did quotation fingers, but you couldn't see. Uh, maybe your family or roommates don't want to watch The Muppet Christmas Carol in the middle of August. Well, you can put on one of these five flicks and get your Christmas fix, and your friends and family can't complain. Let's start our countdown with... Number five! Mr. Mayor, we're here tonight because a psychomagnetic slime flow of immense proportions is building up beneath the city. Psycho what? Psychomagnetic. Big word. Negative human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. Does anybody speak English here? Uh, yeah, you, you, Your Honor. See, 
What we're trying to tell you is like all the bad feelings, I mean, all the hate, the anger and violence of this city is turning into this sludge. Lenny, have you been out on the street lately? Do you know how weird it is out there? What am I supposed to do? Go on television and tell 10 million people they have to be nice to each other? Being miserable and treating other people like dirt is every New Yorker's God-given right. Ghostbusters 2. This might actually be a controversial pick, because I know a lot of folks, including Bill Murray, don't like the sequel to the 1985 smash hit Ghostbusters, but I love it. This 1989 film brings back Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Ernie Hudson as the Ghostbusters. After the events of the first movie, they were sued and drummed out of business. But when a possessed painting tries to kidnap Sigourney Weaver's baby, the Ghostbusters have to spray slime on the Statue of Liberty and save the day. You know what? When I lay the plot out like that, it does sound a little bit ridiculous, but I still love it. You can't go wrong with Bill Murray. And there's a brilliantly wacky performance by Peter McNichols, who would later go on to be in Ally McBeal and Numbers. He has perhaps my favorite line in the entire movie when he wakes up covered in slime and says, <laughs> Why are my drippings with goo? <laughs> I don't know why. That cracks me up. As for the Christmas element in the movie, well, the start of the movie is well before Christmas, which you can see from all the Christmas decorations throughout the city. At one point, the Ghostbusters are all even wearing Santa hats, and at the film's climax, it's New Year's Eve. So you know Christmas had to happen somewhere over the course of that movie. Number four. This ain't no ham on rat, pal. What are you doing? Saving your life. I would have been here sooner, but I was thinking up that ham on rat line. You think I can't take him? You're always this stupid, and did you take lessons? I took lessons. The Long Kiss Goodnight. I feel this movie doesn't get nearly enough love. Gina Davis stars as a small-town school teacher with amnesia who hires private detective Samuel L. Jackson to help her discover who she really is. Turns out she was an assassin working for the government. The teacher thing was just her cover story. But now her enemies know she's alive and they're hunting her down. And the off chance you haven't seen this flick, I'm not going to give away any more. But you got to check this movie out. It's certainly too violent for the younger kids. But once they're you know out of the room, put this movie on and you're going to love the words of writer Shane Black coming in out of Samuel L. Jackson's mouth. What more could you ask in life? I'll tell you what more you could ask for. Brian Cox, he's in this movie. He's got a hilarious, his, his introductory scene is him uh, complaining about his wife's dog. And it's perhaps one of my favorite funny monologues in film history. Uh, it has too many swears to play on a family podcast like this one, but trust me, put the kids to bed and go watch this movie. It's not on Netflix or Amazon Prime. It might be on Hulu. I don't have Hulu. Uh, you can check that out. But you can rent it definitely on iTunes for a measly four bucks. And uh, you can actually buy it on Amazon on DVD or uh, Blu-ray. For, I think it's like four or six bucks. I actually found out when I was started doing this countdown, I don't own it. So uh, I bought the Blu-ray. It'll be coming in a couple weeks. Oh, how does it relate to Christmas? The bad guys discover Gina Davis when they see her playing Mrs. Claus in a Christmas parade. There's Christmas references throughout the film, and the climax of the film takes place on Christmas Eve. I think Shane Black really likes setting his movies at Christmas. Which brings us to... Number three. Careful there. It's a limited edition. Can you uh, stop that? Break it. You bought it. Okay, that wasn't mine to give away. That belongs to my friend's sister. And that's why I'm going to kill you first. What are you going to do to me? You'll see. You're zip-tied to a bed. This. That. Trust me, you're going to be in a puddle of blood on the ground in five, four, three, come on, two. How did we get this shift? All right, I'm going to give you a chance to escape. Put down your weapons. Tie yourselves to those chairs. I'll let you live. In five, four, bang! Wow, that was... You should be gone by now. You should have already been gone. I am just 
beyond terrified. Here it comes. Three, four. Shut up. Five, four, three. <laughs> Told you. Iron Man 3. The hero that kicked off the Marvel Cinematic Universe is back. There's a terrorist named the Mandarin waging war on the United States. Meanwhile, Tony Stark has to deal with the emotional fallout from the alien invasion seen in Marvel's The Avengers. I know fans were divided on this movie, but I loved it. You've got Shane Black. This time he's not only writing, but he's also directing. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. can't be anything other than charismatic in this role. Gwyneth Paltrow gives a pleasantly surprising kick-butt performance. And Ben Kingsley's portrayal of the Mandarin. I know it left some comic book fans upset, but I think it is fantastic. Probably one of my favorite movies from Marvel's faves, too. Although, I, I like them all, so I'm not the guy I'd go to. There's, there's no bad Marvel Phase 2 movie, in my opinion. Uh, once again, the film takes place during the holiday season. The first scene of Tony Stark testing out his latest Iron Man armor is done to a swinging version of Jingle Bells by Joe Williams. Number two. Mr. Mystery Guest. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Unless you want to open a front door for me. Uh, no, I'm afraid not. But you have me at a loss. You know my name, but who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Die Hard. At this point, Die Hard is almost considered a traditional Christmas movie. It's the genre-defining film where Alan Rickman leads a group of terrorists who take control of an office building in L.A. during a company party and hold everybody hostage. Their only hope is Bruce Willis, who plays a cop from New York locked in the building with them, who slowly but surely disrupts the gang's plans. There's not a lot that can be said about this movie that hasn't been said already. It's awesome? It's awesome. I don't know what to tell you. It's so awesome that it actually became its own style of movie. Like, the movie Speed is Die Hard on a Bus. Air Force One is Die Hard on the President's Plane. Olympus Has Fallen is Die Hard at the White House. White House Down is Die Hard at the White House. Are those really two separate movies? All right, if you say so. The Christmas tie-in here is that the party going on is, of course, the company Christmas Party. At one point, Bruce Willis taunts the terrorist by putting one of the ones he killed in a Santa hat and writing on his shirt, Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho. And the closing credits feature Let It Snow by Vaughn Monroe and his orchestra. I bet most of you were expecting uh, Die Hard to be number one on my list, but I found an even more perfect number one movie. But before that, I got a few honorable mentions. First, we got Harry Potter. I think pretty much every movie in the Harry Potter franchise has a segment that takes place during Christmas, right? Pretty sure I'm right. That's why this is only an honorable mention, because I'm not going to take the time to check. But I remember a lot of Christmas and Harry Potter, so I'm throwing them all on the list. You can decide which is what and sort it out for yourself. They're good movies. It's not like, it's not like oh, there was no Christmas, and I wasted my time on a horrible movie. Yeah, Harry Potter. It's a good time. Um, my next honorable mention is Rocky Four. It was tough for me, actually, not to give this a proper spot on the list. I love this movie, and uh, it's still the highest grossing of all the Rocky movies. And uh, if you're wondering how it relates to Christmas, or if you don't remember, the finale is uh, Rocky fighting in Soviet Russia on Christmas Day. In Soviet Russia, Christmas Day boxes you! No? All right, let's just get to our number one. Number one! he can fuss. Fuss, fuss. Thing you like to scream at us. Probably he means no harm. He's very, very short on charm. You have a great gift for Ryan. Yes, yes. Some of the time. Enough of that! Fuzzy, are there rocks ahead? If they are, we 
all be dead. No more rhymes now, I mean it. Anybody want to feel it? Yeah! The Princess Bride. This film is a classic. Robin Wright plays an ordinary woman who is chosen to be the princess by an evil prince who plans to have her murdered to start a war with a neighboring land. But when Carrie Elways, her long-lost love, who she thought was dead, returns, it sets off a sweeping adventure filled with fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escape, true love, miracles, awesomeness. Standout performances by Billy Crystal, Carol Kane, Mandy Potemkin, and the late Andre the Giant. But wait! How does that have anything to do with Christmas? Well, imaginary listener who sounds like Kermit the Frog, one thing I didn't mention was the framing device used to tell this story. Young Fred Savage is sick, and his grandfather, the late Peter Falk, is reading the story to him. When you watch it again, look around the room while Peter Falk is reading. You'll see a Santa hanging on Fred Savage's closet, a little papier-mâché Christmas tree decoration on his wall, and if you look out the window, you'll see Christmas lights hanging on his neighbor's house. That's right, the whole movie is a grandfather telling his son a story right near Christmas. So I think that makes Princess Bride a Christmas story. Judges? We don't have any judges. So it's settled. Princess Bride is a Christmas story, and it's number one on our list of non-traditional Christmas movies. As always, if you feel I've left something out, feel free to leave a comment on the website or on the Facebook page. Grandpa, maybe you could come over and read it again to me tomorrow. As you wish. Now it's time for today's feature, where we're going to learn all about the ubiquitous Christmas song, Jingle Bells. Along the way, we'll hear some of the more memorable recordings of the song, starting off with the first ever recorded version of Jingle Bells, made way back in 1898 by the Edison Male Quartet. Now, the list of artists who've recorded this classic is a mile long, so forgive me if I leave one of your favorites out, but feel free to post it on can'twaitforchristmas.com or on our Facebook page. For now, we'll let Benny Goodman's orchestra be the backdrop as we learn a little bit more about the origins of Jingle Bells. The funny thing is, Jingle Bells wasn't written as a Christmas song. In fact, you may notice there's no Jesus, there's no Mary, there's no Santa, there's not even a scrap of mistletoe in this song. The story is James Lord Pierpont wrote the song for a Thanksgiving program at his father's Sunday school. It was so popular, they brought it back at Christmas. Its original title was One Horse Open Sleigh when Pierpont first published it in 1857, but he changed the name to Jingle Bells in 1859 when he republished it. Uh, It wasn't a huge hit right away. It wasn't until the advent of the phonograph, oh, sorry kids, before MP3s, people used to listen to music on CDs. And before that, it was tapes. Before that, it was records. And the phonograph is what you played the record on. History is hard. Anyway, once they could stamp out records and play them all over the country on the radio, oh crud, kids, before Spotify or Pandora, you know what, forget it, ask your grandparents, I gotta stick to Jingle Bells here. Uh, Once it got performed by various artists on the radio, it really took off, but it really became synonymous with Christmas when Bing Crosby and the Andrews Sisters released their version of the song in 1943. Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle All the Way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Oh, we have a lot of fun. Jingle bells. Now, that's what's accepted as the official story, but not all historians agree. In fact, there's a surprising amount of controversy and confusion surrounding this song. First off, the location of where it was written is the subject of spirited debate. Yes, 
That detail you never even thought about caring about is being argued between uh, Pierpont's hometown of Medford, Massachusetts, and the city where he obtained a copyright for the song, Savannah, Georgia. Medford claims that the song was clearly written there as it describes the snow-covered sleigh rides on Salem Street that was popular during the early 1800s. Savannah claims that Pierpont wrote the song during his first winter away from his childhood home as a way to deal with how much he missed it. So you technically have to visit two cities when you do your annual pilgrimage to visit the spots where famous Christmas carols were written. What? You don't do that? Well, I guess you're not as big a Christmas freak as me, because I... No, I'm kidding. I don't know why these cities think it's important enough to argue over this, but it's a fun little fact I discovered when I was doing research on this. Another part of the official story that uh, music historians take exception to is that it was written for a Sunday school class. They say the song is too racy for Sunday school of the mid-1800s. See if you can spot the oh-so-racy lyrics here in Nat King Cole's version. Now the ground is white, go it while you're young. Take the girls tonight and sing this slaying song. Easy, Nat. You kiss your mother with that mouth? Did you hear that filth? No? It was go it while you're young. Yep. Go it while you're young. I don't even know what that means. Go it. Go it? That was enough to get knickers in a twist back in the 19th century? I'm glad I don't live back then. I can only imagine what trouble I would get into for just saying knickers a minute ago. A special version of Jingle Bells that holds a dear place in my heart is the one performed by Barbara Streisand, which I never realized till I grew up, but she is totally Jewish, and she recorded a Christmas album. I'm, am I the only one who finds that interesting? Anyway, her version of the second verse brings me to the next thing I wanted to talk about. The horse was lean and lank. Misfortune seemed his locks. He got into a drifting bank And then we got upsot Upsot? Exactly, Babs. Upsot? Upsot. Is that even a word? Where is Grammar Girl when you need her? Actually, she's at quickanddirtytips.com forward slash grammar dash girl, and she's doing great work over there, but I digress. In the absence of the great Mignon Fogarty, I attempted to track down the meaning of this word. I had always assumed Piermont was just too lazy to find a better rhyme, but uh, one source I found says it's an archaic past principle of upset. In this instance, it means capsized, uh, but it was also slang for drunk or intoxicated, uh, which I guess is perhaps association with the, ter- the British term sot, which means drunkard. Now, this sounds like a very good explanation, right? But this source was Wikipedia, and they don't have any source from where any of this info comes from. Uh, I looked it up on Merriam-Webster, and they say there's no such word. And it looks like the original lyrics might have had up and sought as two different words. So, I don't know what to believe. And I think it's crazy that this song has been around for as long as it has, and we don't have this nailed down yet. Although, I guess I shouldn't be surprised they're still arguing about which city it was written in. What are you going to do? But, here's a fun fact. Jingle Bells was the first song to be broadcast from space. space. It was December 16th, 1965, and the crew of the Gemini 6 was really in the Christmas spirit. Take a listen. Roger, Houston and Gemini 7, this is Gemini 6. Uh, we have an object, looks like a satellite, uh, going from north to south, probably in a polar orbit. Uh, he's in a very low trajectory, traveling from north to south. Uh, has a very high finest ratio. Looks like it might even be a uh, a bonus thing. Very low. Looks like maybe going to the energy there. Uh, stand by one tonight. Looks like he's trying to stick with him.
Another unorthodox version of Jingle Bells involves some festive four-legged friends, the singing dogs. The singing dogs came about when Danish record producer Don Charles recorded five dogs barking and arranged their barks to sound like music. Uh, he had to use like reel-to-reel tape and find the pitches and put them where they needed to be. Like this would be super easy to do now, like with computers, or you could probably just take one dog and run him through an auto tuner while he's yap yap yapping, and it would create a better Christmas album than the one Justin Bieber made. Boom! That's two episodes in a row, Justin Bieber. How's that taste? Stop singing crappy Christmas songs, or you're getting cold this year. Anyway, the singing dogs. Uh, the dudes spliced all their barks together to create the familiar tune of "Oh Susanna." Who doesn't remember the famous song, Oh Susanna, as barked by the singing dogs? A few people even remember the medley on Side B. Oh, sorry kids, you're on your own for Side B, Google it. Uh, anyway, the medley on Side B was Patty Cake, Three Blind Mice, and Jingle Bells. Thus proving that the thing that might be your lasting legacy can sometimes be an afterthought. But I can't discuss Jingle Bells without mentioning its most famous parody version. Here it is sung by the classic crooner, Robert Goulet. Yeah. Jingle Bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. Batmobile lost its wheel, the Joker got away. Hey, thank you, thank you very much. Oh, I'm sorry, kid. Every kid knows this version of the song, yet I have no idea where it came from. Some of you may think it came from the Batman the Animated Series episode where the Joker actually sings it. <laughs> Crashing through the roof in a one horse open tree. Busting out I go, laughing all the way. <laughs> but I hate to burst your bubble, we were singing that when I was a kid, a decade before that show was even on the air. So where did it come from? I have no idea. I did exhaustive research and found nada. Now, by exhaustive research, I of course mean I made it all the way to the third page of search results on Google. What, you think I have all day to research this podcast? Christmas is coming in four months! Jingle bells, Batman smelt, Robin laid an egg. The Batmobile lost the wheel, and the Joker got away! Now I'm going to close out this uh, look at Jingle Bells with another slightly altered version. This one can only be heard if you visit Disneyland in Anaheim, California during the holiday season. Oh, warning... In addition to being a big Christmas freak, I am a huge Disneyland freak. So this will not be the last time you hear of Disney or Disneyland specifically on this podcast. So, spoiler alert, I guess? Anyway, for November through January, the classic Disneyland attraction It's a Small World is transformed into It's a Small World Holiday. Part of that transformation includes augmenting the iconic song It's a Small World with Jingle Bells. So you get to hear all the different countries sing Jingle Bells. However, towards the end of the ride, you sail past some mermaids. Mermaids don't have snow. Or horses. They live underwater. So they get a special version of the song. I think it's a perfect note to end on. One, because my four-year-old loves this version of the song. He's, he's already started singing it. Because <laughs> I guess uh, his mom, is, who's a teacher, went back to school. So that means summer's over. So we're ramping up to Christmas. So he's already started singing the uh, small world version of Jingle Bells. And also, like I said, I'm recording this in August. It's summer. It's hot, so some underwater fun with splashing around with mermaids seems like a great way to sing about Jingle Bells. Or in this case, Jingle Shells. Splashing through the 
You hear that sound? That means it's time for another round of Who Sang It Best? First, we have to take care of some old business. Last time the song was Winter Wonderland, and the singers were Dean Martin and Elvis Presley. How did your votes turn out? Dean Martin won by a landslide. 87% of the vote. I have to admit, me personally, not to go against the will of the people, but if I'm going to listen to a version of Winter Wonderland, I'm going to go with Elvis. So for those of you who did vote for Elvis, I'm with you. But... Like I said, I like both versions. I just like a little rock and roll in my Winter Wonderland. But congratulations to Dean Martin. You sang Winter Wonderland the best. And thank you to everybody who voted. But let's get to tonight's main event. Tonight's song is Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And you might think it's a bit of an unfair matchup because it's five on one. But we'll find out what you think after we meet tonight's contestants. In this corner, we've got the five brothers from Gary, Indiana that took Motown by storm. The lead singer grew up to be one of the most popular musicians of all time, known throughout the world as the king of pop. That's right, it's the Jackson Five! Little tin horns and little toy drums Booty toot toots and rubber tongue tongues Curly head dolls that toodoo and coo Elephant boats and kitty cars too corner we have the patron saint of new jersey a beloved icon of rock and roll so much so they call him the boss ladies and gentlemen bruce springsteen he sees you when you're sleeping he knows when you're Okay, kids, there's your matchup. It's up to you now. Go to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com where you'll find the videos for both songs. You can listen to the full version before you vote, or if you already have a favorite, you can just go ahead and vote. The poll doesn't care how you vote, just wants your vote. Polls close September 20th, 2015, and you can check back in next episode to see who sang it best. Okay, it's been fun, but now i got to run before I melt away. But before I go, I want to thank you all again for listening, especially those of you who left iTunes reviews, comments on the website, or the Facebook page. I really appreciate it. Special thanks to Jeff from the Nostalgia Podcast, who had some very nice things to say. Uh, please keep the feedback coming. Leslie and Roger had great suggestions for future topics, which our research team is hard at work on. Uh, by research team, I, of course, mean me Googling things when I should be in bed asleep. Anyway, keep the suggestions coming. Thank you again for listening. And remember, no matter what time of year it is, never be ashamed to let your Christmas freak flag fly and keep laughing all the way.
was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2015. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like the show, please review us on iTunes. Maybe give us a five-star review. That'll put you on my nice list this year. <laughs> if you have any comments, you can go to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com and leave them on this episode. Or if you'd like to email Tim directly, his email address is tim at tancast.com. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Tancast Podcast Network. We wish you a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Band, and Jingle Bells was performed by Kevin McLeod and is used under a Creative Commons license. All right, I can't think of anything to say. How about you, little boy? God blesses everyone. All right, doing something different today. Last time when I recorded the show, my wife and kids were out of town so I could record in the house and be as loud as I want, but uh, I have to do this when they're asleep, when they're in town, and that means I am out in the garage, the same garage I mentioned last week that has the Christmas lights up in it all year long, so I'm out here in the garage. It's a uh, quarter to midnight, got the Christmas lights on, and we're going to record this, see what comes up. I hope it's some Christmas magic. I'll, I'll even settle for some Boxing Day magic. I'm not fussy. Oh, hello! I was just enjoying this lovely burning lo- Oh, hello! I was just enjoying this lovely burning- Oh, hello! I was just enjoying this- Really? This is like the first segment and I can't get through it. Ooh, this is gonna be a long recording session! <laughs> it's called Fireplace for Your Home. It's a video of a fireplace blazing away in- it's a blazing fireplace blazing away in a fireplace. That doesn't make any sense. Once again, the film takes place during the holiday season. Uh, the first scene of Tony testing at Tony. You know Tony. You guys are tight, right? Just you and Tony. Now I have a machine gun too. Ho, ho, ho. Green giant. <laughs> Don't read things too quick. It changes the meaning. The story is James Lord Pierpon 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 ugly. The story is James Lord Pierpon 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 is it Pierpon 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 James Lord Pierpon 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 I'd always assume that uh Piermont <laughs> I hate your name Piermont why can't you have a name like Jones? Jones! I'm going to call you Jones from now on. I'm not. Last time the song was Winter Lunder... Gee, many Christmas. Winter Lunderland? That's not even a thing. I can't even blame typos anymore. I even rehearsed this. I swear I'm trying to do better for you people. I it's just... My abilities are failing. I could be... I could complain about it that it's after midnight. Can I blame? No? It's not your problem? Fair enough. All right, how long was that? 28 minutes? Wow, I've been here for a half hour. All right, I was worried that was going to be too short. Hopefully we add some music and sound effects to that. We got ourselves an episode. It's That's two episodes. I think that's a streak. Is that a streak? <laughs> Again, that's your answer to everything.